Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, this is Business of Design episode 100. Cue the band. Okay, it looks like the band has taken a break, but that's okay. We're going to carry on without the band, aren't we? Man, the time has gone so quickly, and I just want to say thank you so much for your love and support. You have been so kind and so generous with everyone at Business of Design, not just the staff, but the community as well. If we haven't met yet, I hope we will one day, because even though we haven't met in real life, I know you and you know me. We're so fortunate to be on this path together. Thanks for being part of my support network, and thank you for being on this journey with us. Today's episode is special, and we wanted to mark the occasion by re-interviewing someone we met in episode 16. You may know Adam Skugel of Sydney, Australia. He started in the corporate world, and he was kind of dabbling in interior design, and he committed in episode 16 to making the transition one day to full-time designer. How do you do that? How do you finally know it's time to break with whatever your full-time career is while you're thinking and longing for a career in design? Adam is going to tell you exactly how he did that. I literally got goosebumps when he talked about how he landed his best, biggest customer. I'm going to let him tell you that because it's better coming from him. He's got that amazing accent that I can't get enough of. Cheryl, this is a very big moment for us. Episode 100. That went by so fast. And it's so exciting that one of our original guests is back for episode 100. That's That's huge. That's right. Adam from, from Australia. At that point, he worked in the corporate world and was transitioning or hoping to transition to interior design full-time. And now here we are, 100 episodes in, and he is a full-time designer with so much to share. Yeah, and so many of our members have made that same transition. So I think that, you know, this will hit home for so many listeners. It will. And I am going to be traveling to Australia very soon. I'm so excited to get to hug Adam face to face because he's meant a lot to all of us. And have an opportunity to hang out with Andrew Mitchell, the design coach who is putting on this amazing event. Friday, March 22nd, not only is there a two our seminar happening, which is really going to be a lot of heavy learning. Someone is going to win all three business of design books. That's right. All three. Volume one, you may recall, is the foundational steps and money and all that good stuff. Volume one, have the professional life you always wanted. Also has the contract that I use with my trade. So that's really great value there. Volume two, Make the project satisfying for both you and your client. This is where I break down Business of Design's 15-step project management strategy. And then volume three, win the flat fee game. So that's $300 in value right there. And of course, I can't resist the opportunity to bring other prizing. So trust me when I tell you, I'm going to bring some heavy suitcases to Melbourne. The event fee, by the way, is a nominal $195 that's going to the design coach. That's going to help him pay for his expenses, like the cocktail party he's hosting afterwards, which is really lovely. It's also going to help him pay for flying me out to Melbourne. So please support the design coach and Andrew. He's doing wonderful things. I can't say enough nice things about this man. And At the end of this event, my hope for all of you is that you're going to have the most incredible support network that is going to propel your business to a stratosphere that you just never dreamed about. That $195, by the way, it's my goal to make sure you learn enough so you can make that back in your next billing cycle. So there's that too. Please sign up for that Friday night event, Friday, March 22nd. Cheryl, the learning is happening from 6 to 8 p.m. 6 to 8. Okay. I intend to stay around as long as you guys want to stay around. I don't get to Australia very often. And uh, if there's an opportunity for us to sit on the floor and talk business all night long, 
I'm in. Yeah, that sounds great. So again, it's March 22nd, uh, 6 to 8 p.m. Cocktails will follow. And it's at Mercer School of Interior Design. Details are on our website, but also head over to the Design Coach to purchase tickets. Don't miss out because there's only a few left. Oh my gosh, so, so fun. We're mm-hmm. also doing some learning at High Point in April, and that's April 5th, right, Cheryl? Yes, we partnered with High Point for a Business of Design educational series at High Point. We're really excited to launch that. On the Friday, there's a three-hour intensive learning uh, to launch projects, and that is from 9 to noon. It's $295 a ticket. Registration's open, so head over to businessofdesign.com to get those tickets. Launch projects like a boss course, by the way, is CEU approved. And if you have been curious, what the heck are Business of Design's 15-step project management strategy uh, courses, we are going to go deeply into steps one to three. And remember that step two is contracts and retainers. So uh, guaranteed this will be transformative if you can make it to High Point on April 5th, 9 a.m. to 12 noon. We are going to do some heavy lifting together. I'm really looking forward to that. Cheryl's going to be with me. Janine Laudenbach is also going to be with us from Business of Design. And then, of course, more great news coming. We have our elite retreat scheduled for Santa Monica in October. And we're talking about a Business of Design conference at Las Vegas Market in January 2020. So lots of opportunities to connect live. Yeah, lots coming up. And I also want to do a quick mention. Our next group coaching session for premium members is coming up on February 27th. So registration is also open for that as well. Uh, If you've got questions, feel free to submit them in advance. All right. Thanks so much. Okay, take care. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the coaching community for independent designers like you. We know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses, participate in monthly coaching calls, and find unlimited support within our exclusive members-only Facebook group. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results for independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. Monthly membership is only $79. Annual members save two months and have access to Kimberly's contracts. What are you waiting for? We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Adam, I momentarily forgot to hit record. So you're going to jump into the middle of a conversation where we just started chatting about working weekends. You're going to hear Adam school me about the fact that, you know what, I do work weekends sometimes and that's okay. That's my choice. I'm the boss. I get to make the rules. Here we go. Adam school. I would still do a consult on a Saturday. You would. Okay. See, now I... I would not yeah. do a consultation on a Saturday. Um, I shouldn't say never, ever, but I probably wouldn't just because of the optics, the optics of working on a weekend. But I am talking to you, Adam, and you have until very recently had a full-time Monday to Friday job. So uh, True. You're, you're quite used to working on the weekends. Mm. I think too, Kimberly. I mean, if I don't have... Um, a wife, a husband, or two kids. So it's just me. So I'm kind of okay with that. Okay. Well, one of the great things about being an entrepreneur is you have the opportunity to create the job of your dreams or the career of your dreams. You can set flexible hours. You can work the schedule you want. And if you want to take Wednesdays and Thursdays off instead of Saturdays and Sundays, that's your prerogative and you should do exactly that. So really, when I used to talk about not working weekends, the assumption was people were also working Monday to Friday and then working right through the weekend. And this happened week after week after week. I've got to say, Kimberly, that um, I am definitely uh, the good thing about not working um, in the corporate uh, area anymore is I can... Definitely, and I do do for most of the time now, I don't actually do weekend work. 
but um, if I, if it wouldn't worry me to do the odd uh, consult on a Saturday, but as you said, it's it's kind of my decision, so I'm good with that. Okay, good. I guess I should officially start the podcast because <laughs> we just kind of launched in catching up. Even though we haven't okay. met face to face, I feel like I know you because we've had a few conversations now, and uh, I am going to meet you face to face in March. You are so. Um, I'm going to be coming to Melbourne. Uh, you, I think your first session is the Friday session, so which is which is the evening, and then I have signed up for your Sunday add-on session. Gee, you do work weekends, Kimberly, because <laughs> I couldn't get into your Saturday one. So they said, Adam, do you want to come do a Sunday? This is like a last minute. Um, you know, out of demand. So you're going to see a lot of me in March, Kimberly. That makes me so happy. I must tell you, that makes me so happy. And uh, I'm strictly a guest here. Um, the whole event is being put on by design, the design coach. Andrew. So I've been talking to Andrew. He's a lovely guy. And um, yeah, well, I've been speaking to him about you and, and about the whole event. And he's been fantastic organizing this for everybody and there's a lot of excitement around that Kimberly so I think you'll have a great time is this your first time to it's your first time coming to Australia isn't it it is and it's it's huge so uh I'm looking at the country which which is daunting I'm thinking where else can I go I want to go here I want to go here I want to go here I'm gonna hear no settle down I'm probably only gonna have about a 10-day trip so I'm going to have to choose very carefully what I visit this first trip to Australia because I'm positive it won't be my last. Well, we hope not. I hope not. March, it can be hot though, Kimberly. so get prepared. It mightn't be what you think. It might be really hot. Oh, bring it. I'm so happy. I don't, <laughs> I don't mind one bit, I promise. Melbourne gets very hot in March. It has these sort of bouts of really hot weather. All right. We'll take it. Um, anyway, I, I'm really looking forward to that. And this is a, a special episode. This is episode number 100. And we were thinking about how are we going to acknowledge this big milestone um, and celebrate the fact that we've done 100 episodes. And, and by the way, I think we feel like we've done 100 quality episodes. And you, of course, Definitely. were already on episode number 16. Um, and uh, here you are again on episode 100. We thought, you know, Adam really personifies the ideal business of design member, somebody who's hungry to implement and change how they're working. And uh, we thought it might be nice to follow up with you since our last conversation, which was 94 episodes ago. No. 84 wow. episodes ago. 84, 84 episodes ago. Where does the time go? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's great to catch up with you, Kimberly. And I thought um, so much has changed since that episode. Uh, and I'd love to talk to you about it. Okay. I'm, I'm so, the biggest change I'm going to assume is that have you actually left the corporate world now and you are a full time designer? Yes. <sighs> Congratulations. So many people Thank talk you. about doing it and never do it. How did you know you were Thank ready? You. Uh, well, I just, you know, I, I mean, it's taken me quite some time to get here. Um, I had to really set myself up. Uh, I set myself up financially. I also got one of my um, most profitable projects. Uh and it also required a lot of work. So it was kind of an ultimatum. It's like, well, you're doing, you're doing the type of work that you, you, you want, you'd sort of dreamed of doing, and then you're being compensated properly for it, and this is your exit. So you need to jump on it. So um, it's a combination of lots of stuff. But definitely, if I hadn't have got this, this, this significant project that I'm talking about, um, which, you know, I, we can talk about your contract. And, and I think you know a little bit about this because I left a message on Cheryl's answering machine and there was a little snippet of that on a um, one of the podcasts when you're away. But um, just about the impact it's, you know, the whole the whole process uh, business of designs had on on my life and my business. So to cut, to, to go back to answering your question properly, it really was just, uh, you know, I couldn't handle corporate anymore because I'm a creative. And secondly, I was in a position where I felt like the universe was kind of pushing me towards 
<laughs> pushing me out the door of um, corporate and, you know, really to where I wanted to be in the end anyway, as you know, which we discussed four episodes ago or whatever. <laughs> right. Sometimes the universe <laughs> does for us what we can't do for ourselves. I love that expression. Yes. So, uh, yeah. So here I am. Okay. So you you effectively cut the cord and you're working mm-hmm. on this project, which is the biggest project you've had to date. Yes. Is it your only it project is. or do you have other projects? So tell us what's on your plate right now. So I'm in the second phase of, of, of this large project, which has been amazing on, on lots of different levels. Um, I'm working with, you know, who somebody I consider to be my ideal client. She's, she's, she's an artist. She's into art. Um, we're doing all sorts of creative things that we have done for a number of months. Uh, she doesn't question what I'm doing. Uh, and I'm, I'm using the contract. And it, that was the reason I got the job. The contract? Contract. How so? Yeah. I, and, and I, I didn't mind hearing this, Kimberly, this, 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 the words come out of, um, my lovely client's mouth, she said to me, I've interviewed three designers mm-hmm. or I, I interviewed two. One didn't show. So there you go. Show up to the consultation. That's my advice. <laughs> <laughs> and then your, you came in and, and um, you went through your process. She said the second one came in and she talked about this and that and she was a bit, I kind of follow this process but I can, I can sway, I can change if you need me to do this and do that. We can talk about a different approach to this and that. And she was totally confused, the client, about mm. the process. She said, so Adam, and this is the part that I, I took on the chin straight up, she said, there's a lot of nice designers around. She said, and your work is nice, it's lovely. And then she held up the contract. She said, but it's really this that made me move forward with you she said it's all of this information here so it really was the contract in the end which you know I I, I could read back to front uh in and out Uh, there's very little difference between what I use Kimberly uh and what you have available so um that was that was just a huge win and I think it's, it's right if I didn't have all of that very clearly stated and getting a sign-off on it, you know, I'm dealing with all the deficiencies from from round one because we recently just did the install, and um, you know, that's all documented. And she's really pleased to to know where we're at with that. And I've got the contractor on board, and he's doing his part. And it's kind of unusual to see all this unfold. Like this is the first project where I could say every single box is really ticked, you know, following every part of the process, and it's just been amazing. This is the first time I really have done the turnkey install you know i got all the guys picking up all the furniture the day before not all the guys the two movers right. they picked everything up they came the second day they stayed they put the furniture in they stayed for a few hours after and um it was just really i was thinking gee this is the way it should be done you know how, how could i ever wait for different furniture deliveries using my own time again but this um so i think you asked me how many projects i have i've got this project i've got another two projects and that's it so i'm working my butt off um, networking and marketing okay but three projects is great there are listeners who are thinking i only have one project or i don't currently have a project so three projects you can make if they're the right client you can make a lot of money with three projects and get more confidence right. and grow. So I want to go back to this idea because I've, I've said this for years, but I've never heard such a concrete testimonial to it. Clients are always impressed with a contract. I just did a consultation on Friday and the clients said, this is very impressive. Those were their words because they've worked with two other designers mm-hmm. in the past. They're doing their last home, mm-hmm. their dream home. And they did not go back to those other two designers, even though they said they really liked them, but the process was chaotic, 
They never knew when it was going to be finished. They never heard if it was going to be, uh, if they were going to be, what the final budget was going to be. And then they met one of my customers who said, um, it will be more like buying a luxury car. It'll be very expensive. You can't believe you're going to write a check that big, but one day your car shows up and it's all done and it's much faster. So they didn't hire me because they thought I had pretty pictures on my website. So I know what you're saying is kind of like, but wait, I I do, right? <laughs> you like my pictures, right? <laughs> I know exactly what you mean, but so that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it, it, it's 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 been fantastic. So I think that the hardest part, Kimberly, is step four, for sure. Yes. However, okay, I'm so glad you brought that up. I couldn't agree more with you. It's very hard. However. It all happens behind the scenes in the comfort of your own office or home. You know what I mean? Versus when you're on site and the, um, well, okay, so two weeks ago, a guy was, we had um, someone installing sconces onto a mirror and it, the mirror cracked. So yeah. that's a different kind of stressful, right? That That's the kind of stressful that just makes me go, oh my gosh, the client's going to come home for the reveal and there's a huge crack in her ensuite mirror and there's not a thing we can do about it one day before she arrives home. So yes, step four I think requires the most discipline and that's hard for me because I'm a unicorn, <laughs> you know, I just want to pick pretty things. <laughs> But um, I, it, it's, so it's stressful in that way. But I, there's a different kind of stress that happens when you're actually in the field and something goes wrong, I think. Kimberly, that's, isn't it, though, um, the, your sconce uh, situation from a couple of weeks ago, the night before, this particular project that I'm talking about with Phase 1 just recently completed and warranted Phase 2. Um, so the three-seat, beautiful, huge sofa... The night before the reveal, me and the uh, picture framer moved it slightly and the leg broke off. Fell fell to the floor. No. (laughs) But it's okay, isn't it? Because we plonked it back up, put it in a position. Um, Nine days later, it it got uh, replaced. I think the main thing is that you've just, you're on it, aren't you? And you take ownership and and there it is. There's a deficiency, but this is what we've done. Can you give me until Friday the 16th? I'm making the date up, but... Yes. And, and she was absolutely fine. She said, I won't sit on that. I'll just, it looks beautiful. I'll just sit on the other chair until the 16th, whatever it was. No, it's so, so true. it's just, they, it happens and yeah. it's fine. And if you can point out the deficiency before your client does, I think it really takes the sting out of it. Because who can fault someone who says this, this thing happened, a human error happened right now, and here's how we're going to fix it. And in the meantime, you ha- you can sit here, here, and here. Like, who could really be angry at the person who owns it? But I think people get into trouble because they try to hide it. You know, there's a scratch on the table, so they put a lamp on it. And then the first time the client goes to dust and removes the lamp, they see a huge scratch, and they think, what else have you taken a shortcut on, right? And that can, that can ruin you, can't it, really? Because totally. if you take that approach after all of that work, that can be the end. I think that could be the end of the referral um, as I'm sure you would attest to. So yeah. It's all important, isn't it? Every single part. No, that's great. Um, okay, great so that was that was a big deal then, you starting mm. this project uh, with a contract. Yep. How did that make you feel mm. versus before? Just powerful. Uh, totally in control and like a corporate we. No, I just felt like I, felt like I was a professional and not someone, um, you know, I mean, it's not that I didn't feel professional before because I was professional, but it's a different type of, it's just a different, I think it's the most amazing thing for a solopreneur, uh, is that a word? It's a Rachel Moriarty word. I think it Um, is. (laughs) So I think it's the most amazing thing to have as a support because it's been such a huge support to me and I think it elevates you to the next level. So it's been the best thing for me to, to have that. It's worked. It works. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, so many times, I say to people, read the contract line by line, and they say, "No, you couldn't possibly mean read the contract line by line." And I say, uh, "Yes, I do, because it'll boost your confidence. You'll get to know what's in your contract. You'll be able to answer questions effectively, and you will look like the professional you are." 
Well, my client was underlining it and, and, and drawing all over it. She wasn't doing that, Kimberly, to say, by the way, dude, I'm, I want to change your contract. You need to change this line to that. She was just saying, okay, what do you mean, you know, consultations and down here, what's this and uh, deficiencies and da-da-da-da-da. And the, the great thing, because I've studied it, for, for quite some time is that I can answer any question and I can answer it with confidence. So that's, that's, that's key. That's yeah. been key is to be all across it and know what each part means. Yeah, I, I get that. You can't really be confident in what's in that contract if you're not reading it line by line and answering those questions. Because what most designers do is say, I'll leave you my contract and talk to your yeah. husband and then call me later. And that is not giving no, you the opportunity to manage that client. So it's not, we're not, it's not, a, I'm not misspeaking when I say sit down and read that client, that read that contract line by line. I, and you contract, would agree. Yeah. Okay, cool. Are there times where because I do this, are there times where you know the protocols that work for you and yet you decide to do it differently for whatever reason? You, you like that's what happens to me. Like, oh, it's a tiny little job. I'm not going to bother with a worksheet. And then sure yeah. enough, I order yep. eight yards, too little fabric and it's a nightmare. So, okay. So give me some examples yes. of where you've kind of stepped off the beam. Well, I was going to say to you, Kimberly, that, you know, I fall off, is it fall off the wagon? Yeah. Um, I did it with this project. So even though I'm, you know, it was 90% there, I decided some of the electrical stuff, I'd sort of uh, get them to take the notes, you know, we're only just replacing some globes and I just want to move that, that sconce there and, um, and I think that'll be okay and I haven't quite, I, I'm not, haven't quite sort of factored in this or that with the electrical. So, so I made a boo-boo there in terms of not having it all sorted at step four. So, yeah, I, I did that on this project yeah. and, and realised that you, you don't do that. Moving forward, this is not something that you can kind of almost be there with and, and not be 100% there with. It's turned out this is where um, keep going back and going, hang on a second, hang on a second, hang on a second. Step four, and I watched the video, the checklist, Step four, <laughs> and I go, okay, this is why you should have done this, you know, right. six weeks ago. <laughs> right, right. Because yeah. however painful <laughs> it is to do it during step four, it is infinitely more painful to have to figure it out in front of the client or while the trades are standing in front of you and the clock is ticking. Yes, yep. Okay. I'm just, I'm just a person who has to learn my lessons over and over again, though. So there are still times where I decide I'll just, you know, go rogue. And the people, the team who's worked with me forever are like, what, what's wrong with you? Why, why do you do this to us? Why do you make these decisions to change the course? And it's always some ridiculous excuse, you know, oh, we've done five projects for her. She won't care if I don't do a proper presentation. I'm just going to show her the following blah, blah, blah. Um, it could be something so innocent. And yet I am so, so punished for making that change before the project is over. So I hope I'm getting better at just following the rules. That's, that's right. And the one thing too, that's been a learning curve for me that though, now that I'm on top of it is uh, I use design docs as well. Um, and, and having that as a, as a, as a, um, as a support has also been really helpful. And it's something, I mean, a lot of these tools I've kind of had to learn throughout the process, but, you know, doing my worksheets, starting them off in, you know, that, that program or any pl program like that, um, it, I think it's it's all of the systems too, and it's all the the online stuff, um, like pe things like design docs that just make it easier from the get go. And I don't, I can't imagine how I would have ever sort of used an Excel document or, or could use an Excel document ever again, especially when I'm calculating um, lots of dollars worth of, of furnishings and, and and wanting to keep on top of the markup. I'm so pleased that I can, Kimberly, show the client. And I've offered this at any point, an original invoice, oh, like I'm not hiding anything. Right. And that feels amazing as well. 
Well, imagine the confidence that gives your client too, because I've been a customer before and thought, I wonder if I'm overpaying for this, you know, how is this exactly working? So it's one of the things I think clients love to hear that at any point you want an original invoice, just ask me, no problem. They're yours. You can have them all if you want. Um, Most clients don't want them all, (laughs) but we do have them available. No, but they it, don't. But ask. just offering that up, but it's in the contract, I think, is it? Mm-hmm. But um, it's 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 amazing, and I think just saying, look, I, I'm totally transparent, and I'll show you that invoice. I haven't been asked for an invoice at all. No, it's the weirdest thing. The more transparent yeah. you get, the less they need to know how it works. They just are willing to trust you and have confidence in you. Yeah. The only receipts I've ever been asked for, weirdly, are moving receipts because the movers can be a, such a significant expense. I've two or three times had clients say, can I see the movers bill? And I just am so grateful. There's no shenanigans. Like within two minutes, I can give them the bill because I have it in the cloud. I can grab it off my phone and I can, I can yeah. you know, email it to them in two minutes and say, here you go, yeah. here it is. Um, and you don't mark up on movers fees, do you, Kimberly? We don't. We don't. We consider that an expense. Um, yeah. Perhaps people do. I don't know. Um, we, but we do consider that an expense. Well, that was one that I had to take a breath on, actually, now we're talking about moving fees, because I'm used to, um, it sounds crazy now, and you only have to go through the experience to realise that there's no other way to do it, but there were times when I would be around for hours waiting on different deliveries. It's it's crazy. I I don't know why that ever happened, but anyway. So, this time, it was a huge fee. It was like three and a half, well, to me, it seemed a huge fee. It was about three and a half thousand dollars or something right. for the removalists. But I'm thinking, well, hang on a second. What's the alternative? They pick it up the day before. They bring it the next day. They move it around. What if I was waiting around for this delivery, that delivery, and who's going to pay for my time? So just going through the experience and going, my God, there is no other way around it. Here's your invoice for moving. This is what it is. This is turnkey. And that's the only way I want to do it. Right. So, And clients completely understand that. You cannot throw sofas in the back of your car and bring them over. Um, And the optics of walking into a client's home with your arms full of bags, you know, from stores, it's just, it's not, it's, it's not a good optic. You know, no one wants to pay you to go shopping. I had my furniture picked up. It was amazing. And you're right. Before I used to get, get in the back of the car and there's a lamp and there's a pillow and there's a this and that. And it would, we would have breakage and right. all of those things that really aren't aren't the way to go. I can't do the borrowing of items uh, at the accessorizing part. I have a different process for that. Tell me wh- how that works for you then. Or do you not have stores available that will lend them or you haven't developed relationships yet or it's just easier for you to do the shopping all at the same time? How does that work? That's a really good question. I, I found, I shouldn't say that no stores will... Um, I think they call it APRO or something, but that no stores, there are certain stores that will lend you items out. But the items that I wanted for this project, for example, were not in that store. And a majority of the accessories that I ended up purchasing were from a store that wouldn't let me borrow. So I had no choice which is really – so what I've done is I've just said, look, I'm, I'm going to need to purchase them. I'm only going to purchase what I feel is really the right pro- uh, product. And, um, you know, the policy is is that we will have to take the product back. And in some cases I can't get a refund. It's just a store credit. But right. um, at this point, Kimberly, I'm, I don't really have uh, a whole lot of uh, resources that I'm aware of that will let me borrow. So okay. that is a difference. I can't always borrow it. Right. Um, and you will have to grow those relationships because those stores that won't allow you to take anything on approval, I wonder a pro must be approval, right? They, If they won't allow you to take something on approval, it could be because they don't know you. It could be because they're used to designers buying stuff and throwing it in the back of their car and bringing it back with a nick in it. So if you sit down with them and have the conversation and let them know professional movers will be picking things up, you'll be placing them and they will be repackaged exactly as you borrowed them to return. The other thing that can be really helpful in this regard is photographing the space before the client comes home. 
If you could buy yourself an extra day, keep the client away from the house one day longer, place all the items you want that client to purchase that you think are right, take all your photographs, um, and then if there are returns, but that project gets published, the stores also get the benefit of having their name in a magazine with their some of their beautiful items. Um, so you, maybe you can talk That's to them about that. Idea, you know, like yeah. I'll give you the photography yeah. that we take as well. So um, that's worth having a conversation about. I think I think you'll grow that side of the business. There are people who do ask for a budget up front for styling and accessorizing, and it can be ten percent, twenty percent, thirty percent. You know, in my experience, clients end up spending a lot more than that when the stuff is borrowed and sitting in their house. Um, And that's not me saying I'm trying to trick them. That's me saying the house is properly styled um, and it would scare them at the beginning of the project to say, you know, the project's going to be 400000 and I need another 100000 for styling. I think it would frighten them. But once they see it done, that's Mm. what they do. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. I didn't have any returns. So, okay, so there, I'm so glad you said that. Go back to those stores, remind them how you did it, show them that you didn't have any, put, you know, put your face in front of those store owners and tell them how you'd like to do it in future. That that's my experience as well, that almost so little gets returned. So very little gets returned if you do the styling process properly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Can I, can we get into, Kimberly, can we get into working with contractors and charging a project management fee on contractors? Absolutely. Now, in this particular project, we've, there's four bathrooms. This is the one that I've been talking to you about. And I have a, a, a building company doing all of that. So, they, they are project managing that. Um, and that's been working amazingly well. I certainly wouldn't feel... Um, comfortable managing on this scope because there's so much going on. They're, they're managing the electrical, the painters, the, all of the, the bathroom renovations, and then I've been doing the furnishings and the um, all the furnishings, really. So everybody has an opportunity to figure out how much they want to control the project. In my world, I want to control every single bit of it if I can, because experience has shown me that's the best way to make the client happy. If I'm the only person they have to speak to when they have a question, it's the best way to create the most smooth project. Um, Secondarily to that would be the situation you describe, where you're handling all the things that are the quote-unquote decorating part, and you've turned the renovation part over to another professional. In that case, often the designers do not uh, put any kind of a markup on those other professionals. Sometimes that's because they live in a state or a province or a country where there's laws and regulations that prevent them from doing that. Um, And if that's the case, I think it's worth talking to a lawyer and figuring out how to work around it. There's always a workaround. As long as you're not thinking that because you're not doing the project management, you are absolved from liability and responsibility, then it's fine. But just know that in the event the company that, that you hired or even the company your client hired, which you had nothing to do with, in the event something goes wrong, your company will also get sued. Because it just happens that everybody looks around and says, who has insurance? He's got insurance. He's getting sued. That's how that works. It's not fair. It's not right. But that's how it is. Right. Because I bought in the contract as the building company. So we had the relationship and they really, we've worked together the whole time, but I haven't been, you know, I'm not charging a project management fee on their part of it. Right. And I understand that. But here's where it gets tricky. Like what happens when they do something that causes you to spend six hours getting it figured out? What happens then? Who pays Adam? Because well, this is, this is the, you just asked me what I'd learned. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Go You're ahead. asking what I'm learning and this is, the, this is the segue to that, is that even though I haven't done that, I'm still doing exactly what you just said. Of course. Spending hours on. There's a whole bunch of deficiencies. Mm-hmm. And, and the, this particular um, company have been amazing, this, uh, this company, but you're right. So I've gone in and we got an issue with the carpet 
and then we've got an issue with this, we've got an issue with that. And this is not my touch. It's to do with what's been going on around that area where they've been renovating a bathroom. So there's a whole list of deficiencies there that haven't necessarily been identified um, by the powers that be, if you know what I'm saying. So I've come in and gone, hang on a second, da 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 da, -da, -da. we've got all of this, and guess who's spending all the time on the back and forth on managing those deficiencies not 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 managing them in terms of they've washed their hands on, on the deficiencies but i'm still getting in there making lists following up and right. it's my time now are you so billing the client for that time <laughs> right so it's a it's a powerful win for your client there's no question about it but i would also suggest it's still not satisfying for your client your client wants to know if there's a mistake who's going to fix it and yeah. you're in a position where you don't really have any leverage over this company because they don't work for you they work for the client so you're in you're in this you know unsavory position of being the guy who makes the lists and has to do the most horrible part of the job. In fact, you said step four is the most stressful. For me, deficiencies are the most stressful. Without exception, they are the worst part of the job because it's always the thing that's lingering after it's all finished and you can't quite let go of the project because you've got these things that are just like a bad toothache. So I don't want to do that for free. Why would I want to do that for free? Um, so our philosophy is if we're going to have to do that, then we're going to charge for that time. Um, and again, if, if it's something the client would have to do if we weren't there, then we charge for that time. So you can have that conversation with the clients. And it does say that in our contract that uh, we will take care of deficiencies, but there will be time associated and we will get results faster than you would get them without us. I mean, and you're yeah. so lucky you're working with a company that you like and is respectful and wants to do other work with you. They've been brilliant, but <sighs> it's a realisation and you're talking about what are the learnings. And this is where, this is where I, you know, if I looked at the contract, I, I would be saying to myself, hang on a second, you're not really the times following your own contract. Right. Um, specifically in this instance. So it's, yeah, it's a continual getting back on and going, okay, well, we don't do that any, anymore. We go back, we do bill. It's such we a good things. point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're so not alone. Yeah. Like all of us have these contracts and then we go, oh, you know what? I know my contract says I can bill for this or that, but I'm not going to because A, it will annoy the client. B, I'm too busy to log my hours. C, fill in the blank. It doesn't matter. Or um, I know my contract says that the client has to um, give us a retainer, but she's away on holidays and I really want to get this started before she comes yeah. back. So I'm just going to start before I have a retainer. Yeah. Like, you know what, any excuse, you know, yeah. we've done them all um, and you're not alone. And yep. you can have the best contract in the world, but if you're not doing what it says, it's no good to you. I think to myself, well, I'm following my contract you know, for the most part, and how does it look if I'm not following it for this part? And if someone really wanted to pull my business model apart and say, well, how come you're not really following your contract to a T? Um, I mean, this client is a, is a, is a business woman and, you know, she's, she loves my contract, which is amazing. But um, if I'm not sticking true to it, then I'm not really, that, that's kind of a double-edged sword. I'm not really. Right. Yeah. Home, isn't it with that yeah. need to follow it completely and then you're doing phase two right and so let's say in phase two you go you know what yeah. i'm going to follow the contract this time i really mean it i'm really going to do it and you start billing for deficiencies and she says wait a minute you didn't bill me for deficiencies before so suddenly That's you've right. created this situation where you she's caught you not being true and not being authentic and feels somewhat taken advantage of by that fact what's changed why is he billing me now yep. he didn't billing me last time you know so it's in our best interest to follow that contract to the letter and to log those hours as hard as it is sometimes to log those hours and it is hard um, because I know the client's thinking, are you kidding me? I've got to pay her to deal with this guy who broke my mirror. Like, that's so unfair. And if the client were to say something to me, I would say, if I wasn't here, you would be doing that work. 
and I'm going to get it resolved quickly. You're, it would take you a long, long time to get that guy to come back to your house because he doesn't want to come back and there's no money. There's absolutely zero money in him coming back. So if there's a way he could blow you off and ignore you until you're so frustrated you just call somebody else, he will. But he's not going to do that with me because he, I'm a repeat customer. So um, anyway, yeah, you, you've got to follow your own rules. Yes. Scope <laughs> creep too is the other one, isn't it? Oh, tell me. Well, uh, really good things, but it, it's, it's also getting out of that old habit, which I think, I think from what I understand, most of us have to struggle to, to build for things that keep getting added on. And, and you've said this, Kimberly, a lot of the time, many times, is that it's great the fact that there's trust. So as soon as we built a, a relationship up where we had this trust, um, I kept getting additional things added on to the scope of the work. And I have to fight, you know, I'm billing for those, but it, there's still that niggling part of me that says, oh, look, it's only just uh, recovering another couple of chairs and I'll just, I'm in there in the fabric store and I'm, I'm picking that fabric for so-and-so. I'll just sort of grab that extra, yeah, and it just goes on and on and on. Right. This, this is happening right now. So <laughs> um, it is something I'm billing for, but it feels, it feels. Yeah. Feels I like I shouldn't be doing that, yeah. and I should be doing that. Yeah, and I am, but it's tough because I feel like I. It's I don't know. I don't know why it's hard. No, it still I, is. I completely understand that. I had we we had a receipt for like seven dollars and ninety five cents for light bulbs, and I'm like, really, this feels ridiculous. But you know what? I put it down because seven dollars and ninety five cents for light bulbs on fifteen projects over the year adds up to a chunk of money. And it's about integrity. I always say this, I want to have impeccable integrity when it comes to my clients, but it means I also want to have impeccable integrity when it comes to my own company. And my own company deserves to be profitable. And it's it's great to be able to pay staff and give them bonuses and and take them out for dinners Mm. and to, you know, to like, I just took uh, all of my trades out for a really nice dinner, um, about a month ago and it was so much fun and every have whatever you want to drink have whatever you want to eat would you like dessert let's get a, let's celebrate let's take a moment right and I I don't have to worry about that because I bill my client for seven dollars and 95 cents for the light bulbs instead of taking it out of my profit right you have hit yeah you have hit on all the things I think that are challenging once you adopt business of designs 15 steps and they all come down to one thing discipline having the discipline to do everything you said you were going to do everything that's in your contract and following that without breaking the rules that's for me that's 100% of my struggle today is just having the discipline to follow my own rules which is crazy because listen this podcast number 100 like, come on, get it together. But for some reason, I'm, my <laughs> default position is to be a people pleaser and not annoy people. And $7.95 for a light bulb seems like it's going to be annoying. So I don't want to be annoying, so I'll just eat it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We're cut <laughs> from the you? same cloth, my friend. I cannot wait to give you a big <laughs> hug and hang out with you in Melbourne. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think a lot of people are looking forward to it. Oh, my You've got gosh. a lot of fans here. I can't believe it. I'm so excited. I'm going to be you way more excited calls, than you Kimberly, guys I get are. calls from people, random people, that heard the podcast. Can I just talk to you about business of design? Because I heard you on the podcast. <laughs> oh, my god! And I end up being incredible. a bit of a, um, a rep. I'm oh, a BOD. BOD rep, and I don't mind. <laughs> we want you to be. We want you to be. We've never figured out how to do that. Like, how could we actually have other coaches? Uh, but you would be high, very high, top of our list of somebody we would want to be a business of design coach uh, in future. Because the more people we can reach, you know, the more the industry feels professional and acts professional, right? The better it is for all of us, for sure. I think that's a good point. I think if we all are following this sort of protocol, then, you know, because it, it, this, this sort of thing is, is, I guess, what loses some people jobs when people don't want to pay for a level of service and they want to go with somebody who's willing to do it for less or, or not have a contract or it's just a standard that we should all be following, really. Yeah. I agree with that. And it's truly not about how many customers you had. Like we had, um, it, it, my design firm, our year end is August. We had our second to the 
best year ever with the lowest number of customers ever. Like, right? That's great. I know. I feel really good about that. I mean, I was the kid who wouldn't take money for babysitting because I found it embarrassing to talk about money. So I am really proud of that. And uh, it means good things for me and good things for the people who work with me and good things for my trades. So I'm okay with that today. And uh, it's the smallest number of customers I've ever had in a year. And yes, it's partly because Mike, a lot of mine are repeat and they know me and I've kind of weeded through who I can work with and who I can't. But you you all listening can get there way faster than I did, I promise you. And Adam's going to get there faster than anybody, I promise you. So uh, we definitely want you to come back on the show again <laughs> and tell us more, tell us more. And um, think about how you're going to be filling your customer pipeline in the meantime, because we don't want you to have a lull where you don't have enough customers. So you're going to be giving some thought to that, I'm sure. That's the challenging part, Kimberly. But I, I mean, I've got a few things in the pipeline. Um, but that is the that's the thing. Like you said, it's it's about keeping the pipeline full. I think the referral piece is 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 critical too. So that's mm-hmm. that's something I'll be able to work on. That that is this is all new to me. Yeah, it's it's totally new. But yeah, I'm pretty comfortable. I'm not scared. Um, because there's no other option really. So I'm happy to just. Uh, put it all out there and you know this is what I've been wanting to do for a long time Kimberly so I've done it in 2018. I'm so, so uh, excited for you and I'm so proud of you even though that's kind of a goofy word to use but I, I am I'm you. just really excited for you and now um, in 84 episodes it's incredible to me to listen to how much you've grown and where you are and I'm curious what you would say design intervention is for this episode. Oh, it has to be the contract. It would have to be the contract. Have, have, have processes and have a contract and follow them. And even if you fall off, you get, jump straight back on and get on with it. It makes a difference. Yeah. I didn't get this job because I was a great designer. I got it because I had a great contract. And you're a great designer. And I'm a great designer. <laughs> Everybody follow Adam. Adam, give us all your handles so we know how to follow you. Wow. So you can jump on and have a look at my website, adamsgoogle.com, which is a refreshed uh, one I've done this year. Um, I am at, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. I just go by my name now. I used to be called As You See It, but now it's Adam's Google. Much better. Much better. Now Google can find you and we can find you too. Thank you so much for your time and I'm coming for you. I can't wait to see you next month. And can you can you t- show me what that tequila is that you mentioned? Which tequila did I mention? I love tequila. You mentioned with Claire Jefford. You said I'm going to you're going to try this tequila. Apparently, oh, okay. Specific type of tequila. Right. I think we need to find a really good tequila bar. Tequila on me, really? Melbourne, 2019. <laughs> However you do it. However you do it, because I uh, don't really drink it, but uh, I'll try it. Oh, this is, I feel like this is deja vu. I feel like we had this conversation before. (laughs) Okay, so you have to remind me we're going for tequila because I will say yes, and we want to do that. So we're doing it. Okay, cool. Yay. All right, you be well. Thank you so much for being 100, episode number 100. Yay. Wow. Thanks for having me, Kimberly. And I look forward to to seeing you guys in March in Melbourne. Yay. Australia. (laughs) All right, Adam, take care. Thank you for being a part of the Business of Design community. If you love what you hear on the podcast, take the next step by signing up at businessofdesign.com. As our thank you, you'll gain access to Business of Design's 15-step project management strategy, a free introductory course which includes three Business of Design systems you can implement for immediate results. And when you're ready for success, a Business of Design membership, monthly or annual, will dramatically improve your business and your life. What are you waiting for? Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today. Start today.